It's time for Glover's Golden Oldies. A look back at some of the Glover's heroes from recent years. Well, good evening and welcome to Three Valleys Radio and our Glover's Oldies show. This week, though, we're changing things slightly in that we have got a Glover's supporter. And uh, I suppose it's fair to say a celebrity supporter. I have with me Mr. James Purefoot. Well, good afternoon, James. It's really good of you to join us. Um, Football fan extraordinaire, actor, Hollywood star. I mean, what else have you got in your CV? Ex-porter. That's pretty much it, mate. Yeah, ex-porter. Well, OK, then. But, you see, you, you've done your bit for... Ex-porter, hospital. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, though, James, I mean, you were born in, in Taunton... Um, but every, everybody seems to think you were born in Yeovil for some reason. I don't quite know why that is, but it seems to be whenever I've seen blogs of you, it's always that you were born in Yeovil, but you weren't. No, I was born. Uh, I was born in Musgrove Park, Taunton. Yeah. Um, uh, as was a, uh, I have another. I have another actor friend called Richard Linton. You'll see. You'll have seen him in uh, in Silent Witness recently. Mm-hmm. The last seven years. Um, and Richard also was born at Musgrove Musgrove Park Hospital. So it's a. Uh, it's clearly a hospital that breeds actors and stuff. Does he support you over town as well? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's a cheese mate. Chelsea, crazy Chelsea supporter. Oh well, we've all got a cross to bear, I suppose, haven't we? But um, a lot of a lot of the supporters are going to be listening to this and thinking, "What are we doing with an actor on on the?" Um, on the Oval Town sort of radio station, which I guess is a reasonable question for them to ask. Um, so I'm thinking we better just explain well, to like them. Actors like people who work in, I think, I think actors like people who work in in helicopter factories or supermarkets or whatever you want to say. They all, they, you know, they're just as likely to support a football team as anybody else is, aren't they? Absolutely, yes. And you, you've had a, a passion for Oval Town for some time now. Um, certainly culminating I know when uh, first of all you came up to the club um, I can't remember which game Charlton rings a bell but I don't know if it was Charlton when you came up and you met uh, the, the manager and what have you yeah. it was Charlton was it yeah um, yes did, did we win it that was, day yes I seem to remember we did yeah 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 I thought we did and then of course you came to our great day up at uh, Wembley when we beat Brentford which let's face it for any Overtown fan was a memorable occasion I think probably that's the peak, isn't it? Yeah, certainly that so was, far. That was the moment of, I think certainly so far, the, the, the history of Yeovil Town going up into the Championship. It was the Championship going into that game, wasn't it? Going yes. Up into that. Yes, that's right. It was indeed the Championship, yeah. I no. believe. And uh, I think that was uh, that was when everything was possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even yeah. the Premier League looked possible for a brief <laughs> glimmer of a moment. <laughs> yeah, it was very brief, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> but there we go. But no, it was a great day, wasn't it? And I remember we met yeah, you at the hotel. Then we tumbled down. Then we tumbled down. It was like watching. It was like snakes and ladders after that, wasn't it? Uh, unfortunately, yes, it has. But hopefully, if we can get over this pandemic, that, that, that we're on the way back. Hopefully. Well, we're lying for. Yeah. Nine fourth in the league. Um, you know, there's ten points in it. I'm not too clear about the Vanarama League in the sense that it, do you have to win the league to go up? Uh, to be automatic, uh, automatically to go up. Yes, you do. Um, and then you get another one that goes up via the playoffs. So it's quite a complicated issue. And I've done it. I'm not even sure myself if I was to quote you. I think it's something like the second, uh, the second and third uh, playoff 
to uh, make sure they play at home in the playoff and then the third and fourth or the fourth and fifth I know it's quite a complicated one it's not straightforward but but you know it, okay. if we can if we can stay in fourth or even third which would be better um I think we get a home tie then and uh, we've got a chance of going up via the playoffs so that's got to be the way to do it I think terrific well there you go that, that's the way back that's the that's the map isn't it to success absolutely yeah that's right that's right but James you're an actor um, and you know I am how did you some get started? <laughs> some would say, get on. <laughs> how did you get started, though, James? How I mean... did I get started acting? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'll keep it brief, but I was at, uh, I went to a school in Sherborne, boarding school, wasn't happy there. Um, knew I was wasting my father's money. He was spending a lot of money on my school fees. Um, uh, so designed to have myself expelled. I was expelled um, for the crime of stealing a combine harvester. Actually. Oh, nothing small then. Not terribly popular. <laughs> I don't tend to go, but go do things by halves. No, uh, no. Um, stole the combine harvester or moved it from one side of a field to another. But I think that was enough for them. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, left school at sixteen, went to work at uh, John Tyrrell's pig farm in Martock in Somerset mm. um, for about uh, a couple of months uh, then went left there and went straight to work at Yeovil District Hospital where I worked for two years um, that had a massive change on my life uh, was uh, completely different to anything I'd seen or experienced before um, and then my father called me and said what, what are you going to do with your life and I said well I think you're becoming a mortician because the money was very good <laughs> and um and you get, you get paid by the by the body which is rather interesting yeah for the nhs but you did get paid by the body for the in those days for prepping bodies for autopsies and stuff mm -hmm. and uh and i was pretty good at it and uh so i told him i was thinking of becoming a mortician and i don't think he was very amused by that idea so he asked me to go and live with him because I'd not lived with him since I was four years old. We'd, my mother and father had separated when I was four. And went to live with him in Weybridge in Surrey. And there were, and I had to go to a local technical college. I thought I might go into advertising. So I did English and English and communication media studies for A level. They wanted me to choose one more. So I had to do three A-levels. Uh, I was asked to go around the campus, see if I could join in some classes, have a look around. Somebody was showing me around. They took me to an engineering class and a geography class and you know some various other labs. And there was this hut at the side of the campus that was in the woods and you could see it disappearing into the woods. Just the, just the front of it was at the front of the woods. And I said, what's that over there? And they said, no, you don't want to go there. They're all crazy, they're all mad in there. <laughs> I said, why? Well, who are they? What is that? And he said, uh, that's the drama studio. Totally eccentric. They're all mad. I said, well, let's have a look. And we went over and there was a round window. And I looked through the window and there were 16 girls and four boys. And two of the boys looked, frankly, gay. <laughs> and I fancied my chances. I thought that my chances were pretty good with the other 16 girls there. So I joined up the drama class and obviously it became a little more substantial, my love of drama than just the girls. But um, I was 17, 18, so uh, that's what I was interested in at the time. Um, and they were all very beautiful and very talented, very eccentric and wonderful. And uh, 
so I went, I did my, I did a theatre studies A-level. Right. And that was really the beginning of it. Right, it's time for the first of James's musical tracks, and we've got a track called Horse by a band called Careful. Sunshine on your upturned face Everything falls into place Blue sky above and underfoot Happiest I have seen you look Sunrise stirs the low landscape More beauty than your breath can take Boats out to seagulls in the air I might look as if I didn't care Careful with me, careful with my heart World keeps turning, my world falls apart When you're out of reach for me When you're out of reach for me No in-between I've been both and I can't win If this love should suffer sudden death It won't be because I'm not myself I don't forget I depend upon The simple fact you turn my heart Over, over, over track called careful by a band called horse now one thing i picked up on when i was reading through wikipedia on your pages there how come you only got one gcse one year and the next year you've got 11 were you playing hockey or something when i was at the when i was at the uh at the hospital i went back i went to yeovil tech and i did a night course for two years and got the other gcses at yeovil tech doing night school that must have been pretty intense. I'd get eleven in one bash, wasn't it? Well, ten because I'd already got one. Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even so, it must have been pretty yes, but, intense. Yes, but don't forget, I had I had gone up to GCSE. I just failed them all hmm. when I was at school. Uh, so I had gone up to. I just didn't work, AD. I didn't work. I was hmm. lazy. I wasn't interested. I didn't have very good teachers. They didn't really bring it out of me. You know, that is the job of the teacher. 
I was clearly bright because I went on the following year to get 10 more. Mm. Sounds a similar so to me, but I only got three, so... <laughs> but there we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think it really matters what you get. I think as long as... I was just impassioned. By the time I got to Yeovil College, I was very passionate about it. And, 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 uh, and, wanted, and wanted to do well and wanted to show... I think I wanted to show my mum that I was um, that I was smarter than than Sherborne had let me be. Or as they used to say on the Flintstones, smart, smarter than the average bear. No, not the Flintstones. Which was it? Barney smarter Rubble. Than the average bear. bear. Do you remember right. that one? Yeah, <laughs> I'm showing my age Certainly now. Do. Flintstones, of course. Yeah. Um, so, were you going to Hewish Park then in those days? Did you pop over there occasionally? That was my first football match. It was my very first football match. My stepfather, my stepfather Lawrence, uh, used to take us on quite a regular basis. Me and my little brother and my stepbrothers. To go and see Yeovil Town on the famous on the famous sloping pitch. Yeah, and uh, and um, yeah, so that was really where I I'd never been to a football. I'd never been to any other kind of stadium at all. Mm. So that seemed gigantic to me at the time when I was when I was young. Yeah, you know when I was in my early you know seven, eight, nine those kind of years. Yes, yeah. um, obviously I'd never been to any first division places there or Premier League places. We didn't have a Premier League in those days, but first division places um you know so i didn't know what a really big stadium was like but yeovil was big enough mm, mm. for me so so that was the birth of the supporter in you i suppose and it's be fair to say yeah um indeed in the meantime you you've got a, a, a or you had an active link with the nhs obviously working at uh, yeovil hospital so you must have yes. a, a um seem like a kindred spirit i suppose in 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 these days that we we're going through at the moment with the nhs playing such a huge part in it well, yes, you know, I mean, I, it comes as no surprise to me that those buildings are full of the most selfless, extraordinary people that you could you could ever meet. And they are really showing themselves now because, you know, on a normal average day when you go into work, you're not putting your life at risk. Mm. But these people are putting their life at risk every single day in just the same way the soldiers would during the war. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I think they're extraordinary and really impressive people right from the top all the way to the bottom mm. um, and right across the board. I think they're amazing, really extraordinary people. Yeah, yeah. But um, moving on a little bit towards the acting front now, I mean, you, I was reading here, you, you got involved with the Royal Shakespeare Company for a start. You did Hamlet, you did King Lear which is all mm-hmm. pretty heavy, I was going to say boring stuff to people like me because I've never been into that sort of thing. But uh, I would imagine that was a, a very good grounding to become a, a, an actor to do, you know, the likes of, um, what was his name, Joe Joe something in the following? Can't remember his second name. Joe Carroll. Yeah. Joe yeah. Carroll, yeah. I mean, I think for me, I spent seven years on stage, really, um, before I got in front of a camera. Um, my agent, my uh, my very first agent that I got when I left drama school, um, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to work with the best classical actors in the world. And I want to, I want to learn my trade. I want to learn my craft doing that. Yeah. I was very aware that I think a lot of people nowadays, when they think about fame and celebrity they they're very interested in going from a to z but without really doing any of the rest of the alphabet you know they just want one quick leap into it mm. um which for me i always thought that's a disaster i always wanted i wanted to i wanted to work it progressively and i wanted to play a lot of those big parts I w- and so when i went to the rsc i 
not only did I play the parts I was playing every night, but I also understudied. I volunteered for understudy work. So by the time I left the RSC, I had 16 parts in my head. Really? At the same time. So, um, you know, and I was able to work with the finest classical actors and 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 directors um, in the world. Drop a few names and, for me. Uh, well, I did the famous John Wood, Sir Simon Russell Beale, Rafe Fiennes. Um, oh, God, I mean, the, the list goes on and on mm. and on. I mean, mm. Nicholas Heitner, who was the artistic director of the National Theatre for many years, was the first director I worked with there. Um, Adrian Noble, who was the artistic director of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, at the time, I was working with him there. Um, there were lots of just lots of extraordinary, extraordinary actors. Now the second of James' musical choices, and this time we've got one that's very familiar to us all. I hope the Beatles, and here comes the sun.
the Beatles, of course, and here comes the sun. But you must have been doing he something. Because you can, I think one of the things dangerous about acting, one of the difficulties if you're starting out as an actor, and especially if you go straight into a television show or a film, is that you are literally training in front of millions of people. Mm, yeah, quite. And that and that can have a very you can you can die you can you can go very quickly <laughs> and be kicked to the wayside very very quickly if yeah. you don't know what you're doing. And I really wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing before I stepped up into television and film and that kind of um, and that kind of uh, you know, observation by other people. You know that kind of yeah. It, it sounded as though you were really really absolutely sure at this point that's exactly what you wanted to do and you were going to make sure you did it properly yeah i felt like i really wanted to work i'd done three years at drama school i then did three years with the rsc and then i did a couple of years at the national theater and lots of other theaters all around the country and really worked my trade and worked my craft and i think that that's um something that you know, for me that worked best because it grounded me and made me know that i could do what i was doing did you ever have any moments where you wish the ground would swallow you up? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> many, many moments on stage. And I think if you're grinding it out on the stage, you know, 300, 330 days of the year for seven years, there are many, many times <laughs> when you forget lines, where things go wrong, where you... I, I remember drying so badly at the National Theatre once. I was doing a monologue on stage, long monologue, in a restoration play and uh, I was on my own entirely on my own I got halfway through it and I saw another actor in the in the audience who was a competitor of mine and I remember thinking as I was looking at him and speaking at the same time I bet I thought I remember thinking I bet you think that you could do this so much better than me and uh, and lost my way through the speech disastrously oh god <laughs> and, you know that uh, and that happened and it happened in front of 1300 people uh, those kind of things they happen but you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger AD, as you know yes fair enough but you must be doing something right because uh, the name james bond started to uh, pop into uh, dispatches in in a way that you're being considered for the part in goldeneye well, me and half and me and you know five dozen other men, you know, yes, mm. yes, that's true. Uh, that's true. But uh, it was not to be. And then there was some, there's some other mutterings in here that you had your body digitally enhanced for a film. Is that right? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. I was not digitally enhanced. I think I think you're talking about Rome, AD. Are you? I could have been. Have, have yeah, you been, yeah. Have you been? Have you been reading Wikipedia? Yeah, of course I have. I had to do my homework, you're, didn't I? No, that's not the way you research people. I have <laughs> friends of mine who will go on Wikipedia and make stories up if they know I'm about to be interviewed. Uh, right. <laughs> so, yes. So it's not the best source no. of material. But but um, one of the things I've, I've got on my list of questions here is: What would you suggest is your biggest role? I don't know. I mean, the ones that people have seen, I guess, the ones, the biggest, the biggest things so far are probably things like Rome, mm. uh, Mark Antony in Rome for HBO. Um, the following, we would get 20 million people a week watching that um, in the first couple of seasons. So those sort of shows which give you very big, um, big viewerships are the ones that, you know, big viewing figures are the ones that uh, people, some to, you know, you generally get remembered for, don't you? Mm. So, uh, yeah. Solomon Cain, another one, would you think? Solomon Cain, I think it all depends on what you're into as a, as a, uh, as a viewer. Mm. You know, people watch those sort of things and, and they think you're very famous from that, but, um, you know, and 
then there'll be millions of other people who've never seen it before or never heard of it. So, mm, mm. but th- there seem yeah, to be it all depends on uh, people have watched. There seem to be an abundance of of period type um, films and series. Was that deliberate, or was it just that you were better at that than anything else, or what? No, I think that you go through a patch. I I have a theory that um, for me, I've gone through various stages of a career where I I was at the Royal, I was did my theatre stint. And then I spent quite a lot of time in britches and blouson shirts in Jane Austen and and Charlotte Bronte and and the Anne Bronte and those kind of writers. Hmm. So I spent a lot of time doing that when I was young and very pretty. And then after that, I spent about six or seven years where I couldn't get a sword out of my hand because every single part I was up for was a sword part. Hmm. Um, and then you go through another period as an actor, and especially with Hollywood, if you're English and middle-aged, you end up playing uh, psychopathic bad guys. Um, and then now I'm into spies. Oh, right. So it's now uh, spies are the other thing that I've been doing most of over the last three or four years. More music now. This time it's the Rolling Stones and Gimme Shelter.
the Rolling Stones there and Gimme Shelter. The following, I watched. I must. I've got to admit, I watched every one of those, and I I thought it was good. I really enjoyed that. That's the sort of thing I like. Maybe I've got a warped mind. I don't know. But um, <laughs> did, did you enjoy doing that one? I did to begin with, because um, it was very well written and it was it had an incredibly, a really interesting premise, and it was spooky. People people found it mm. chilling. And mm. interesting, and he is a very interesting character. Um, towards the end, I think I think we all started feeling a bit sick about the killing in it. Mm. Mm. Um, and certainly, Kevin and I, it started entering into our sort of drifting into our subconscious. We'd be dreaming about it, having nightmares about it. And he's a very dark man, Joe Carroll, because Joe Carroll, for, for, you know, there is nobody else in the world for Joe Carroll but Joe Carroll. Hmm. So, uh, you know, he's intensely selfish, sociopathic, narcissistic, psychopath who thinks only of himself. Hmm. Um, and uh, he's quite, it's, it's a very dark tunnel to be in, to be in that person's mind. Yeah. For such a long time, for three long years, you know, yeah. it was, it was a long time to play the same character and, he was very bleak, very, very bleak person to play. I think it's quite surprising that, you know, us mere mortals that are not on the stage wouldn't wouldn't dream of you having nightmares about it. But I suppose, like you say, three years in a series such as that, where people were getting throat slit and various other things on a regular basis, it must uh, it must get you a bit. Well, I think just because you spend 15, 16 hours a day, six days a week, for nine months of the year, inhabiting that mind and... If you're a television actor, if any kind of actor, really, one of the things you do is you keep, even though there's lots of hanging around and waiting around on a television or a movie set, uh, you always have to have it simmering away in the back of your mind so that when they are ready to go and when the word action is shouted out, that you're able to switch it straight on. So you just bring it forward onto the front burner, if you like. Um, you know, like you, you've been leaving it simmering on the back burner, simmering away. And then you bring it forward and whack the flame up and give it a boil. Mm, mm. Um, but it does mean that you have to be simmering for, you know, 16 hours a day. And then you sleep for seven hours and you travel for an hour. So mm. you, it's it's pretty full on no, when you're doing this kind of job. I imagine. Now, one of the ones I didn't see you in and I'd like to have seen you in was um, Roots. Because I remember seeing the, you know, oh, yeah. when, it, when it was first on with Chicken George and Gunto mm -hmm. Kinte. Um, you know, did you enjoy that? I mean, that must be different. I should think a totally different sort of kettle of fish, really. Yeah, that was no. It was it was again not a not a love not a good job to be on because I was playing a white slave owner who looked at people of colour as if they were as if they were um, livestock mm. um, and nothing more. Mm. And when you, when you again, when you're up, when you're living in that world, it's not it's not what you call a barrel of laughs. No, um, uh, filming roots. Um, it was interesting and it was good to do, and it was very well done, well played, and well produced and directed. Um, and it was a good thing to do, but uh, it, and it was interesting. But um, but again, you know, not a nice man to play. Hmm. So I suppose I mean really you you you've got to have that ability to to play these sort of people, but at the same time switch that to Hamlet and King Lear, and you know you've got to have have that ability to switch, which which is obviously why looking at your CV of films and television series, whatever you've done, you've clearly done that at, at, to a very high level. I think it's really one of the things that I find interesting about being an actor is. Um, 
is the change is changing into somebody else. Mm. So you know, being uh, you know, being a being a, um, a chameleon, and the actors that I've always loved myself are the ones who you go, I can't believe that he was so different in that film or so different in that TV show, and mm. that he keeps pulling it out of the bag, a different persona. I find that fascinating that actors can do that. I'm less I'm less interested. Michael Caine always talks the difference between him and uh, he's a movie he's a movie actor. He's not a movie star. Mm, mm. The stars are kind of people who really just they, they play themselves in those situations. There's not much there's not much change in them. I not much physical change, vocal change, the way they walk, talk, breathe all of these sort of things, you know, it's the difference between, I don't know, Daniel Day-Lewis and Burt Reynolds or mm. Daniel Day-Lewis and Clint Eastwood. You know, Clint Eastwood's always pretty much Clint Eastwood, you know, mm. but we like watching that, but it's not, it's, it's, it's a different kind of acting. It's not a transformation, is it? Time for some more music now. This one's called Safe European Home and it's by The Clash. Oh, oh, oh. 
There you go, safe European home by The Clash. Who would you say, James, is the biggest star that you've ever played with? Heath. Heath Ledger. Yeah. Probably. Mm. Kevin Bacon. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Depends, depends how you calculate that. What is... What, yeah. What's the calculation? I don't know. I mean... It's hard to say. I work with I work with well-known people all the time, and it's you know I mean Max von Sydow. I worked with on uh, you know, and he's just he's been in movies since mm. the early 1950s. He's only just died a couple of weeks ago, but he worked. I worked with him on Solomon Kane. Um, David Hemmings, uh, who was in, uh, do you remember Blow Up, the Antonio yes, film? Yeah, yeah. Vanessa Redgrave, yeah, I, I worked with him on a horror movie called Blessed. Um, you know, so, I don't know, I don't, I don't know yeah. how you calculate mm. the biggest movie star, but uh, they're, they're, you know, their names, you know. Well, you're the biggest movie star I know anyway, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, going back to the Oval Town a minute, I mean, um, you know, my mm. first contact with you, I, I wrote out, of, I'd read in the paper that you supported them, so I wrote out of the blue, I had no idea you lived as close as you did to me, as it turned out at the time, but, um, and of course, you came up to Hewish Park, and you met Terry, and uh, I think Terry was manager mm. of that t- when you came up and that, and then yeah, of course... Yeah, terrific we, manager, Terry Skiverson, yeah. yeah. And then we had the... Um, we had the, the, the session at, we- at Wembley, which was, which was, let's face it, was a fantastic day, wasn't it? Do you remember it still? I presume you do. Yeah. No, uh, I, absolutely. It, it was uh, yes. I had this. Uh, I had this wonderful idea. I wanted to do a fly on the wall documentary, didn't I? That's right. Yes. About, yeah. About Yeovil Town, um, which I managed to spit pitch to one of the big broadcasters who had accepted the pitch and thought it would be a good thing to do. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, and then I couldn't find a w- I wanted to do it but I wanted to do it with love I didn't want I wanted to laugh with rather than at I wanted to do it and enjoy the team um, but as they kept they kept dropping <laughs> that season like a stone yeah that division mm. <laughs> and uh, so it was it was hard because it was failure after failure after failure which would have been become more and more comical as the show went on. And yeah, I, I felt yeah. I didn't want to make a show where we were laughing. And now the last of James's uh, choice of music, and this one's a complete change from what we've had before. This is The Lark Awakening by Vaughan Williams.
go, The Lark Awakening there by Vaughan Williams. But to be fair, I mean, you know, if you look back to that year that we spent in the championship, um, I was looking at the results just recently, actually, and, you know, we, we didn't do that that bad, really. And, and we had some no. I mean, bad luck in that. You know, I mean, I can remember one, um, we played Bolton away and bloke yeah. scored in the last minute and he went the winger went right down the wing got to the byline and he went right over the byline but still managed to get his cross across and the linesman didn't spot it at all but it was the ball was out full stop but now it ended up in the back of the net and those were the things that were happening to the oval in those days and it yeah it didn't help you know and obviously we didn't have the money to compete with the teams that were around us and which was the sad thing really because you know if we'd had a little bit more money we might who knows what would have happened now i remember asking you ad that uh, with the four million quid that they were going to get for going up into the championship what you would have liked and mm. what you'd like to see them spend the money on and you said to me that all you really wanted was a new camera <laughs> that's right yeah and i got it as well <laughs> and you got it yeah i got it as well yeah john you fry still was have it? yeah i've still got it do you still have it or yeah. did you have to give it back no i've still got it here I've still got it here and john fry i remember john fry he came in and he said right ad what, what do you need you know and i saw this this isn't john fry this can't be right asking me what i need and i said well, well what do you mean he said well you know, what do you need we've got a bit of money to spend let's spend it so i'm fine all right then so i gave him a list and he got it all for me it was great Oh, that's wonderful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and you know, it's, I, I was really sorry to see John leave the club. I mean, it, it's sad. I mean, he's getting on now a little bit, as we all are. And it, but he, you know, that guy gave his his life to Yeovil Town, and I think that uh, some of the publicity he got that was was so out of order. They didn't know why he did, and I did, and that made such a difference. Right. I thought to the club, you know, because you people yeah, don't yeah. they don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Not, not no, of course they don't. They like to make they like to make value judgments. They like to make. Judgments about footballers in particular, don't they? It's like mm. what's going on now with the Premier League and players in the Premier League, and you know the tabloids are calling for them all to give up their wages. And you go, hang on, they—they they are just very visible, very rich people. Mm. There are thousands of very rich people in this country that never go across their radar, and never they do they demand that they give their money back. So it, you know there is it's very much um, you know, there's double standards at work often mm. with football football players and football and football clubs. But not only that, James. I think you know this this question of them giving money. Um, but nobody seems to. Well, it's been mentioned. But if they give them money or they drop their wages by by giving the money by dropping their wages, the tax revenue is going to drop like a stone as well. So you know it's give with true. one. This is what the PFA was saying yesterday. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. So you know it's a bit a bit stupid really. Some of the suggestions i should think it'd be much easier let the players... they're highly visible very rich young men aren't they mm. but then again there's a lot and of that, highly visible there's a lot of highly visible actors about though as well it's absolutely true you know absolutely or, true. Or, or business leaders like philip green for example you know there's plenty of people around like philip green or dyson or, yes you know, yeah i mean nobody's asking jacob reese mogg to give his money is no. are they no, exactly. Um, you know, I think it would be nice if there was a, um, a, 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 you know, a fund that we could all be actually pouring money into. I mean, the government have said that they're going to give the NHS everything they need. So it's not like the NHS need money. What do do need money is food banks. 
Yeah. And yeah. I think food banks are things that we should be giving money to because, you know, it's been a few weeks now where people are not earning money. And uh, in the next few weeks, people are going to start running out of their savings. Mm. And that's when it's going to start getting nasty. Yeah, exactly. Well, I see Marcus Rusher has been involved in thousands and thousands of pounds to um, a food bank up in Manchester. So, you know, he's one of my heroes right. anyway. So apart from yes. you, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, James, what does the future hold for you now? I mean, obviously, you're stuck at home like most of us at the moment to a degree. Um, when well, things get back to normal? Say, I mean, it's going to be very difficult. It'd be interesting to see what happens in my profession because uh, simply the fact of the two-metre rule, if you are acting, is nonsense. Hmm. There's no possible way that we could have a two-metre rule on a film set. No, of course you know, not. What if you're doing a love scene? What if you're doing a fight scene? What if hmm. you're trying to get in someone's face? What if you're trying to... You know, the, what, the, what, what happens in the script... How do you how do you pay attention to what happens in the script, and keep two meters away from someone? Mm, you can't, can you? I, mean, I can't. I can't. I I can't see how that it's going to. I saw I was working on a show. I'm doing a show at the moment called Pennyworth, which is um, part of the Batman universe. It's uh, you'll get it on Sky. I think um, they've done one season already. Alfred Pennyworth is Batman's butler. All right. And the fella who wrote Rome, a brilliant writer called Bruno Heller, has asked me to come on and do a lovely part uh, this season. Who is a captain in the uh, who was a captain in the SAS? He was Alfred Pennyworth's uh, senior officer. He's now um, something of an armed robber. Oh, right. So. We were shooting that. We got up to episode four, and that's when coronavirus hit, and so we've we've gone on to what they call hiatus, and uh, we're going to pick it up, hopefully, when it all gets lifted again. Hmm. So there's that. There's sex education on Netflix, which is always good for a laugh. Uh, Wine Show season three is uh, is coming back in the summer um, on Amazon Prime. I have a sh- another show on Amazon playing a CIA agent. I spent six months in Mexico last year uh, shooting a series about this CIA agent who is dealing with levels of corruption high up in the Mexican government that are to do with the cartels. Uh, and then there's another show called Discovery of Witches, which is coming out. Um, which is on Sky, which is about witches and witches and wizards and and, and vampires. So there's a lot of stuff coming out. Oh, well, I should look forward to that lot, that's for sure. Yeah, good. So um, uh, it's taken you to some plenty of countries as well, hasn't it? I mean, you know, foreign lands to, to do all this filming. I have spent... Uh, this is the first job. Pennyworth is the first job because we film we film it at Leaveston Studios, which is the Harry Potter Studios. It's the Warner Brothers, essentially, studios in just near North London, in near Watford. This is the first job I've had for 15 years where I get to sleep in my own bed. Really? Oh, well, that's nice then, anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, you've got yeah. an extended stay it's in your really, bed at the moment. I have an extended stay in my own bed at the moment, which is nice, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but when I took the job, I was desperate to do a job where I just got to stay at home and be with the kids, have days off and take them to school and pick them up and do their homework with them and all the banal things that go with being a parent, you know, but, mm. um, which is something that I've missed a lot of because I haven't done it very much um, over the last 15, 20 years because I've been away so much. Well, James, it's been... It's been fascinating talking to you, learning various things that I didn't know before. Um, it, it's, it's been great sort of finally nailing you down to get you. But um, yes, come and see Yeovil again this, in the National League. Please do, because uh, it, it, the new manager's a really nice guy. He's, he's all right, Darren. I would love to. 
Um, so I'd love to. You let me know when you get in touch with them and see if we can when the season gets back together again. Perhaps I can come over and uh, watch a game. Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, sir, thank you very much indeed for joining us, and uh, best of luck with all these forthcoming enterprises you've got lined up. And uh, no doubt everybody will be watching them on Sky and Netflix and where have you. What's the wine one yes, about, by uh, the way? Because my wife's into wines. Uh, it's called the Wine Show. It's on Amazon Prime. Is it a sort of documentary season type one, thing? Season one, season two is already on Amazon Prime, and season three it gets joins at the beginning of the summer. Right. Okay. We'll make a note of that then. Yeah. It's a show about wine. Yeah. It's us drinking wine. Oh, That's sounds all right. Pretty much it. Well, thanks ever so much, James. Really appreciate it, mate. Look after yourself, right, and uh, you as, as they say, stay safe. And I'll no doubt I'll bump into you down the fruit farm sooner or later. Exactly. <laughs> thanks, right. mate. Take care, buddy. Cheerio. Well, that was actor and uh, very much a Yelvertown supporter, James Purefoy. Join us for this week's Glover's Golden Oldies. Yes, I guess we're stretching it a little bit for this one, but why not? And please stay tuned to Three Valleys Radio. a blue shoots up through the stony ground there's no room no space to win in this town you're out of luck and the reason that you had to care the traffic is stuck and you're not moving anywhere you thought you found a friend Take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace So be-